You are not alone. <laughs> hey, good evening, everyone. This is Dan Chuba calling in and uh, signing in with the Road to Recovery tonight on Blog Talk Radio, part of the linked local network of broadcasting. It is Easter Sunday, April 21st, 2019, and I'm alive, and you're alive, and if you're listening to this, welcome to the show. If you're the first-time listener, we're glad you found us. If you are a repeat uh, listener, we hope we uh, continue to bring information that is helpful, that will encourage and support your efforts staying sober or getting sober or whatever it is you are looking to accomplish by tuning into this show, this broadcast. It's called The Road to Recovery, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Today is April 21st, 2019, so that means I've been sober 23 years, seven months, and 21 days of consistent and continuous sobriety. Hooray for me. That's right. Hooray for me. And it's just one more day. But I'm just amazed. I am amazed. I don't know about you guys, but I am amazed that I've been able to stay away from any kind of drug or alcohol for 23 years, seven months, and 21 days. And what's different today, excuse me, what's different today about me or about the world or about anything that was different from before I quit drinking. I mean, what is it that I'm able to stay away from alcohol and keep alcohol and drugs out of my system? And that is an awareness, awareness of the problems that drinking and drugging caused me over my lifetime. You know, life today, as it has always been, I just didn't recognize it, has been about choices, what we make, the choices that we make in our lives. And when I drank, I made some really bonehead decisions, really bad choices. And it wasn't until I I made the decision and stuck to it to not drink or drug anymore. Well, that was my first good decision, really sound decision. And the ones that followed afterwards were much better than I ever had consistently in my life up until that point. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, again, this is a, a you know, this is the show to let you know that you are not alone. You know, if if you're drinking and drugging and struggling to get and stay sober, easiest thing to get and stay sober. Um, I've been doing the show. Uh, in May, we'll complete seven years. So we have two more weeks, two, two more weeks of shows, and then when we hit May, we'll be starting our eighth year of broadcasting this live show on Blog Talk Radio. And I think somewhere in the near future, we are going to be changing stations. I'm not sure where and when, uh, but we will be aware of it. Fred McMurray, the person that oversees this show, um, not so much the show, but linked local network. He's a social media geek guru. And Fred's uh, setting up another um, place for us to move our show to. 
We'll still try to be on Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Tonight is a holiday, and I am on a remote broadcast from my future wife's daughter's house. Her youngest daughter is having an Easter party. We did this last year. I think I don't. I think I remember. I had a shortened version then as well. And I I decided that I'm going to have a shortened show today. I'm enjoying family, Martha's family, the lovely Miss Martha. Uh, We will be wed May 11th of this year. That's in about three weeks. We are going to be married. Uh, This will be my fourth marriage. Okay. Now, it's it's the first one since I quit drinking 23 years, seven months, and 21 days ago. Okay, I was going through divorce when I first sobered up, and I took that 23 years, seven months, and 21 days, and really did a soul searching. I really not only quit drinking, but wanted to understand the premise of what it was that I was drinking. Why was I drinking like a crazy man? Why did, you know, I didn't drink every day to excess, but you know, if I drank, I knew I was going to drink again. I told myself I'm going to drink, and, and I deserved it. And it's amazing. Excuse me. I eat a lot of food, so I'm kind of sleepy, too. I'm actually sitting in, a, in our SUV, Martha's SUV, in the garage of my uh, future daughter-in-law's house, condominium in downtown Chicago. Yeah. And I'm broadcasting to you here, and um, unfortunately, we can't take phone calls today. So if you have any interest or issues or concerns or whatever, I'm sorry, I can't do it tonight. You can call me after the show. I'll give you my number. It's 1-800-427-5968 or 630-918. Six one two nine, and I'd be glad to help you in any way I can. If you want to send me an email, any well wishes, any thoughts, comments, questions, etc., it's Daniel D A N I E L at D A A R E dot com. Now, again, the show, the premise of the show is to enlighten, inform, and to assist. Who is helped by this show? Well, whether anybody listens to this show or not. The most important person in this room is me, and I get help, okay? I need to vent. I need to talk. I need to get some of the week's crap that's been thrust in me out. Sometimes I need to share excitement and thrills, etc., out, because if I don't, it, it builds up into my head, And it could be a little overwhelming with all that energy going on inside of me. And when I was a drinking person, I used alcohol to calm myself down. I used alcohol and and drugs, pot, to relax me. And And then other times it came back and bit me in the ass majorly. Again, being that this is my fourth marriage, That means I had three before. I had three failed marriages before, and I'm not proud of it. Nobody should ever be proud of a divorce. You know, it's sad. It's either, you know, because something in the choosing process was wrong or something after the process and and things didn't work out. And for me, there were drugs and alcohol involved in the process, and, and I'm sure that was a major contribution 
at least to two of my failed marriages, okay? Um, the first one, I was just young, dumb, and full of cum, okay? That, that, I don't know how to best say it. I grew up with an alcoholic father and, and, and mother. She didn't drink, but she was very much a codependent and very much had issues. I'm one of 13 kids. That's right, 12 brothers and sisters. And actually, all my brothers and sisters are alive. When I would say well, live and well, I don't know, the well, physically well, I think pretty much, but I don't know if emotionally, mentally well is a, is a fair statement. They have survived. They have done well for themselves in their own way. Um, but I, I believe they still have issues that uh, date back to when we were being raised by our parents. My dad being a violent alcoholic uh, when uh, when it was, I don't know, convenient, um, used to take a lot of it out on, on my my sibling brothers and my mother in front of us. And, uh, you know, my mother and her attempt to keep herself from being beat sometimes threw us under the bus. And, well, that's what happens when people are sick. Sick, sick people do sick things. The amazing thing is that we're resilient. The amazing thing is that the human body can take quite a bit of abuse and still come back. You know, the 13 kids, I think it was 13 kids or 11 kids that were held in captivity and chained at times by their parents and their parents just got uh, sentenced to life imprisonment and they're eligible eligible for parole after seven years. So they're going to be in jail for at least seven years. Other 11 kids will be raised by surrogate parents simply because they were abusive to them. They didn't treat them well and they did crazy things. You know, um, the things that my father and mother got away with when we were growing up would not be allowed in the world today. And why did they do it? It simply is because they were sick too, okay? They were sick individuals. And uh, I don't want to say in all fairness, but there were sick individuals that did sick things and justified it as being correct and right. And what I did was I learned from them. They were my, you know, they were the pattern that I followed, you know. And when I got married, I, I, I said to myself, I'm not going to accept this, as a, you know, and I'm not going to allow that, and I'm not going to do this. And, you know, it's amazing how what we say and what we do Sometimes they're two different things and, you know, our best intentions. But definitely when put, we put alcohol or drugs in our body, very, very bad. Now, anyone with an, with an addiction, whether it's gambling, whether it's pornography or sex or working or food or bulimia or anorexia, any of those things, you can overcome your addiction I don't want to say by yourself, but without having to go to rehab centers necessarily, they, they do help. Don't get me wrong. They do help. But the 12 steps of recovery brought me back to a relationship with my higher power, who I call Jesus Christ. And we are celebrating Easter is a celebration of the fact that my Savior, perhaps your Savior, gave his life for us on earth to have a chance at eternal life in heaven with our creator, our heavenly father, God. 
And we celebrate that today because we could all be forgiven. God forgives us. God died for our sins. And he wants all of us to live with him and his father in, in heaven. He didn't create us to see us get destroyed. And who destroys us? Ourselves, by our, our, our poor choices, the things that we do. You know, the impact of these actions, if they only impacted us, would certainly be enough of a, of a problem. But they, they don't. They impact people around us, our loved ones. You know, our loved ones who sometimes are cheated out of the opportunity to get to know us, cheated out of good times shared because hurt feelings, uh, feelings of insecurity, depression, etc., cohabitate and, and coexist with, you know, the, the abuse of drugs and alcohol. You know, not everybody makes it you becoming an alcoholic or a drug addict or a junkie, so to say. But enough people are impacted by alcohol and drugs that steer their boat in a little different pattern than they would if they were drug or alcohol free. I got to tell you something. Myself, I've been blessed with a fairly good memory about a lot of things. Terrible with names. There are certain things that I couldn't remember from my life. But I do remember a lot of the instances in my life growing up and to this point. And one of the reasons why I do this show is because it is so important for me to let you, any one of you, that have experienced exceptionally shitty times in your life, okay, because of drugs, because of alcohol, or because of somebody else abusing drugs or alcohol around you. There's a way to get beyond it, and I want you to know it's out there. There's help and there's hope, and you don't have to have a lot of money to get it. Now, I'm talking about a 12-step program. I don't care which 12-step program you work, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or Gamblers Anonymous or, or Heroin Anonymous or, or Narcotics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous, Sex Anonymous, uh, you name it. There's an anonymous for anything that you have because it's based on 12 steps. And the 12 steps, not only, they didn't necessarily get me to stop drinking and drugging, but they taught me how to live my life without drugs or alcohol. And I got to tell you something, I'm so glad, okay, to have learned how to live my life. Growing up in a family of 13 kids with my father and mother did not teach me how to live. They taught me how to survive because that was the only way I was going to get through that, living in that world, is to survive, not to live. I get around families like the lovely Miss Martha and her family. They have a wonderful family. They had a good family. And unfortunately, Martha's husband passed away. And I was fortunate enough to meet the lovely Miss Martha and connect with her. Now, i got to tell you something. In all fairness, it had little to do with me and little to do with Martha. It had a lot to do with my higher power, our higher power, God, Jesus, because I had asked him, I said, God, Jesus, please put somebody wonderful in my life. I'd like to have somebody wonderful. And I worked hard to get my life and my act together so that when Martha, the lovely Miss Martha, came in my life, that I'd be worthy of her. 
Now, my perfect son, now, of course, all my sins just flash through my mind, okay, and I still lust women and stuff like that, but I don't act on it, and that's a good thing, and I keep it in check pretty much, and I'm working at it. It's not a perfect world. I'm not perfect, but as long as I don't put drugs or alcohol in my body and to my system, I have a greater chance of not falling prey to my desires. Do you understand what I'm talking about? My lustful desires today. You know, when I drank, I used to tell myself I didn't have to accept responsibility for my actions because I was drunk. I was drinking. And it's one thing about us human beings. I want to say not just human beings, but, um, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts or anybody with an addiction we will look for every loophole that can possibly exist to give us some sort of justification that what we're doing is a-okay, you know, that we have a right to be drunk. We have a right to get high because we worked hard and played hard and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's amazing. But until you experience the consequences that come along with it, and I did, Year after year after year, failed marriage and failed relationship after failed relationship. I experienced it, and it it sucked. It sucks big time. Don't recommend it. It's not a good thing. What I recommend is, you know, I have a sponsor. His name's Mike. Mike, hats off to you, man. I'm saluting you because you know what? You're working the program your way. You asked me to be your sponsor. I told you I would. And you check in every day, not verbally, but even texting. And if that is you, that is great. Whether you're drinking or drugging, at least I'm hearing from you every day. And it gives me hope that a seed that has been planted will grow in you and help you have a better life. And that's all we want in the world. Nothing says that we are entitled to anything great, but it's not to say that we have to have a crappy, shitty life because because of our dumbass mistakes. And I made enough of them. And you would think that I would have my legs knocked out from underneath me, but I haven't. I've lost. I paid a dear price. You know, we talk about the financial, con- you know, the the consequences of my actions financially. And they were great. I'm not going to tell you they weren't. They were big time great financially. But even bigger toll was paid because my kids, I have three children, and they were raised by other men. That's right. They they had stepfathers and adopted fathers that did fabulous jobs, didn't have drinking drug problems like I did. And they did a great job of raising them and, and supporting them and protecting them and keeping them everything. And I got to be grateful for that. It's, it is. It's very fortunate. You hear all these bad things. And I certainly was capable of doing bad things if I would have stayed in. I, who knows the kind of parent I would have been. Maybe a worse one than ever, you know. It, I think God in his ultimate wisdom knew that I needed something else and that I needed to do this. So, you know, we of, I don't, I don't often think when something bad takes place in this world and anyone's life, even if it's mine, it's not God doing it. God doesn't 
want bad things to happen to any one of us. But he did say that we are of this world. And being of this world, we will fall prey to many things, including injuries and death and sacrifice, etc., in this world. And he's not doing it on purpose. I don't believe that. He is there to help us when he can and when he feels it's, it, it merits it. <coughs> but I do, have, do believe that he has bigger plans for us, including me and you. And, well, I'm just glad he, he helped my kids get through. Now I have the opportunity of reconnecting with them, and I'm trying to. Okay, it's not a perfect world, and I have to accept the consequences of my inactions and my and my choices. It's terrible to do that. I accepted them. It's not worth drinking over. I don't want to be built up with resentments. It took me 18 years to forgive my father for the violent nature that he was and to accept that he was sick. He was sick from alcoholism, and we, we say that. You know, Again, I, I got to tell you, went to church today and services to honor and recognize the risen Lord who, who gave us this opportunity of life after death. And we always say the Our Father. And I got to tell you something. I believe that is the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you don't believe in God, that's your business. But I got to tell you something. I do, and I'm grateful that I do. Because I don't believe anything could happen without him, this, this, anything. We couldn't even exist without him creating us, etc. But when we say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive me for being a jerk and a dick and all that goofy stuff. Okay? But he goes on to say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a tough one. It's tough for anybody. You are not alone to accept and for, forgive. You know, these kids that were, were held like animals by their parents, some of whom are, aren't even physically developed properly because of lack of food or lack of uh, exercise or whatever else they were being, however else they were being treated, you know, and yet they forgave their parents. They, they didn't agree with why they did it. They're, you know, I don't want to say they're angry, but like last couldn't sleep. I'm I'm renting space in my head to clients. Why? Because I go over and over in my head what I need to do, what I didn't do. I'm, uh, you know, oh my God, problem, problem, problem. Uh, our brains overthink everything, you know, and we got to stop. We have to find serenity. And serenity is out there for those of you, those of us, that value it and are willing to go to any length to get and keep serenity. And that's working these steps one day, one step at a time. The 12 steps of recovery. The first one, admitted we were powerless over and whatever you're powerless over, drugs, alcohol, food, sex, pornography, uh, you name it, gambling, the thought of winning lots of money is exciting. It's thrilling. It's just that when you lose a lot of money at one time and it's gone, you know, you don't get that back. You worked hard to get it. Of course, when you win it, 
you're like, oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner, okay? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. But when you lose it, it's like, oh, my gosh, I lost it. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it up? I, I spent all that time. Regrets, remorse, oh, it's horrible. The first step, we admitted. We admitted we were powerless. Now, when you are powerless over a bully, I always have to imagine this big bully. It's a seven-foot bully who is built like a brick shit house. Okay, and here's this bully who is just hell-bent and kicking my ass all over the place. And yet he is so nice and wonderful to me. He says, oh, oh, Dad. In his macho voice, oh, Dad. In his macho voice, you're a cool guy. Why don't you hang out with me because I'm cool too. And, of course, I want to hang out because, you know, he's cool. And I want to be cool like him. And so I go ahead and hang out with him, and what happens? He turns around and beats the living crap out of me. And I go, what was that about? You said you're going to be cool. I go, no, I'm sorry, man, it happened. I won't do it again. And yet each and every time he beat my ass. So why? Sometimes for no seemingly good reason, because that's what alcohol does. Alcohol just kicks my ass. And for those of you out there who are whose ass is kicked by other forms of addiction, accept that you are powerless over. And if you are powerless over a bully, what do you do? You walk away. You decide not to play their game. And guess what? They won't come chasing after you. They'll come after you, though. And they'll say, oh, come on, play with us again. Let's do this again. We can do this. But we'll not lay one hand on you unless you let them. Ultimately, a choice of yourself. If they get their grips on you one more time, you may never come back. You may get lost to them for eternity. Now, oftentimes, like tonight, I just think and share with you, the listener, what comes off the top of my head. And I got to tell you something, being at this dinner party, there are some younger kids, kids, uh, they're 30, kids having kids, okay? And uh, they're the future. And these kids, these people, somehow manage to handle their booze. And that's good, good for them. But that's all they talk about is their booze and this flavor and that flavor and this flavor. Now they've got some young kids up there and they laugh and joke about how they drink uh, booze, not booze, they drink water from the empty cans of the beer cans. They empty them out, rinse them out, and then they give these kids. And, and so they're setting these kids up in, in, a, in a, a mental way to – I don't know, find alcohol is an acceptable thing. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know from what I heard statistically that when young kids try alcohol before the age of 15, 16, I don't even know what the dates are, they will end up to be alcoholics. Now, I don't know if that includes anyone that is rubbing alcohol on their lips or anything on that line, can't tell you that, okay? I'm just telling you that I don't know how good of an idea it is that these people encourage their kids 
in ways of accepting alcohol as a matter of fact and as a way of life in their lives. I don't know if that's a healthy thing. Of course, much like, you know, I often say this, but who is the best person to lay dynamite? And it's usually the person that lived through an explosion before and did not die. But it knocked the living scare out of them, and and they are extra cautious and careful. And of course, I'm extra cautious and careful now, because I saw what it did to me. It saw I saw what it does to many people over the period of life, over the 23 years of of working to get healthy and to gain health in my life. I saw what alcohol and drugs and any kind of addiction can do to an individual, and then to the people around them. Now, there's a program called Al-Anon that is for those people who love or work or involved with an alcoholic. And what does Al-Anon do for you if you were to attend it? Well, it teaches you to live and be independent so you're not codependent. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people in recovery meet somebody like that who will care for them and who will say that if I can show this person a good life, maybe they'll turn away from drugs and alcohol and I'll be a hero, okay? The to be a hero is to take care of your own personal life is to leave the alcoholic and the drug addict alone, to fall and fumble and stumble and get hurt so much that they <clears throat> cry out to the Lord in the foxhole prayer and say, God, please, I hurt so bad. Help me. I did. Most of us in the program of recovery will tell you they did. We had to hurt that bad. We had to hurt bad enough that we were willing to go and do anything we could to keep from feeling that pain anymore. I don't want to feel the pain that I experienced when I was drinking and drugging. I don't. I'm glad. I'm grateful to God that I don't have to deal with it. I could be around people that drink and it does not affect, let me, does not encourage me, let's say that. But it does impact me because I'm impacted by the awareness, the seeing what people do, the flippant nature of their actions, you know. And I pray for them and I and I, I worry for them and I hope that they don't ever go as far as I did or some of the other people I saw become self-reliant on alcohol or drugs to get through their lives. You know, we had a special guest schedule for last week. A special guest from California who, for reasons beyond me, could not make it. We were scheduled to meet with her, and she was going to be on her show. Fifteen minutes before the show, she called and said he couldn't make it. You know, shame on me. I didn't even bother to check to see if she was okay later on in the week. I just assumed that she was just overwhelmed at the thought of being on the show. It's not for everybody. That's why they say Alcoholics Anonymous is, this isn't an Alcoholics Anonymous show, but I do use that program in part of my recovery. Celebrate Recovery is also part of my recovery, not as much anymore, but different things I learned from it. They were based on the 
eight beatitudes from the Bible. That's right, from the Bible. Oh, I'll tell you guys, it's a uh, interesting world that we live in today. Living today, forget about tomorrow. Tomorrow will come when it comes. You know, they say anxiety is is for those people that worry about tomorrow. Depression is about those people that live in the past. But serenity and joy is by those people, enjoyed by those people that live in the here and the now. I want to continue to live in the here and the now. I want to live my life and enjoy the perks and the benefits that that I found in my new life of recovery. And it just gets better and better. I've got to tell you something. I I do have a great life. No complaints here. And in May 11th, I will be married to lovely Miss Martha. We will not be doing a show on May 12th. We will be out of the country on a honeymoon. So no show. Now, Steve and Ken have the opportunity of doing the show, but again, it's not something that a lot of people feel comfortable doing, talking about themselves on the air and the radio, and I do, because I'm grateful I live through it, and I want to share with you and continue to grow myself individually, because I do grow by sharing it, and that's how we recover from our addictions, is by sharing our personal experience, strength, and hope do that, we expose most, if not all, of our secrets, and we are only as sick as our darkest secrets. But I have not got, I don't have those kind of secrets anymore. I've exposed them, and I don't live them, and and I I try to live a better life, and I try to be a good guy, and I want people to, to know that I'm a good guy, and I'm proud of the fact that I'm a good guy, and that's it, one day, one step at a time. That's the way to live life, and that's the way I try to live my life, and it seems to work one day, one step at a time. So I hope you guys get it. We are going to do a shortened version of the show tonight, I mentioned. No calling, sorry. And I hope, uh, I really do hope you're enjoying this Easter Sunday. If nothing else, just to sit and reflect on your humanity when you die. If you don't believe in God, it would be a bad time to start thinking about him now. And if you do believe in God, and you feel like you're too bad for him, everybody can be forgiven. You got to start by yourself. Forgive yourself. Know that God has forgiven you and will forgive you. And all he wants to do is continue to love you. And love each and every one of us, okay? And I got to tell you something. Um, I love this life sober. I love the life that I have. Do I miss alcohol? No, I don't. I don't miss losing control of my facilities. You know, they talk about alcohol and what flavor it is and how tasty it is and how it's great that the ballparks are getting more different choices. Maybe that's a better thing. Maybe they won't drink as much. If they're drinking something they enjoy and respect, I don't know. You know, all I know is that it's not good for me, and I'm glad I don't do it. 
So, you know what? I am going to wrap the show up early. I'm going to join, rejoin the lovely Miss Martha and her daughters. Um, and we are going to continue to celebrate and enjoy this wonderful Easter Sunday. Thank you for the many well wishes from all you guys. I appreciate it. You know, you guys are very special to me, some more than others. And you know who you are. And if you don't, well, I guess I just have to get off my lazy ass and call you and tell you how special you guys are. But uh, there's many of you out there. Dan in Florida and the Bahamas. No, the uh, the uh, uh, Alabama Mama. Yep, my Alabama Mama and my West Coast uh, guy in Washington State, who I still haven't sent that clock to. Shame on me. Oh, gosh. And Anna in New York, you know, I'm so proud of you. Keep up the good work. All you guys locally, gosh, it's just some so many really good people working. We have really good shows coming, and we actually have, we're going to have a couple guests. May 5th, I have a guest scheduled right now. Her name is Anne, and she has one hell of a tale to tell. Uh, on the 19th, we have uh, Julie is going to be joining us. And the story about Julie is, it's a good story, but it's a sad story. Julie lost her daughter at the age of around 22 to a young 17-year-old methamphetamine addict who was on, who was high on drugs and pulled out in front of this girl, not knowing she was coming, wasn't paying attention, and she died. And now he's got to carry that rest of his life and, and what it's like to be a mother and a parent and lose a child, I I wouldn't know. And Julie's going to uh, be brave enough to come on the air and share that with us. And uh, it's certainly going to be a, a show that we should all listen to. And maybe we can learn. Maybe the impact of somebody else losing somebody might wake some of us up to the fact that we've got to do more to get drunk drivers off the road. Again, my take on this is that we need to lower the acceptable alcohol range in our blood to less than 0.02, less than 0.02. It's right now 0.8 in Illinois, and I think 0.02 would be even better simply because you cannot tell an alcoholic they can have a drink or two and then get behind a wheel and drive, okay? They can't do it. That's the mere fact that they're alcoholic because by telling them that it's okay. One drink is too many. Ten is never enough. But one drink, that first drink is too many. And if you get them to take that first one, they're not going to stop there. Too many lives have been lost this year alone from people on the road driving and, and drink, drinking and driving. It's just terrible. So, you know, there's some things we've got to do, people. Some, um, you know, maybe we need to bring this call to the public. I was going to have uh, the state's attorney, Robert Berlin, come on the show. And, and unfortunately, um, he doesn't feel comfortable, or at least I was told that he doesn't feel comfortable in a format just yet, talking about, uh, well, he doesn't know much about my show, even though it's been on the air seven years. You know, we're not like the one of the great rated shows. But you know what? It works for me. And, uh, you know, I would like him to come on as a guest. Who knows? Maybe we'll get him. And uh, and the uh, judge, Miss Walsh, if she would come too. But, you know, 
maybe later in the year we'll get them to come on and we can bring some of these issues and matters to them. You know, when you have a chance to do something about things, we should. And, you know, stop being victims. Take control of your life one day, one step at a time, and reach out to other people. There's a lot of people out there that could use your help, could use our help. And it's not enough to just say it. It's, you know, you can't throw money at it. You have to actually physically go after and do something. And so I'm encouraging you all to do something, to do something, be something, go places. Let's, let's make a difference in this world, okay? I want you to make a difference in this world, your world, my world, everyone's world. Know that we will be back on the air next Sunday with a full show from 7 to 9 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio, part of the Link Local Broadcast Network. And what are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. Unless you guys come call me up or email me with a topic, then that's fine, or something that happens in my life that need to be addressed, I'll do that. Uh, and that works. Uh, but if you have any questions or comments or thoughts, please feel free to email me at daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, at D-A-A-R-E.com. Helping you helps me. So you can never ask for enough help from me. Doesn't mean I can give it to all of you, but I'll do my best. And if I can't, then I'll direct you someplace or someone to, to that might be able to help you better, Okay. But know that you're not alone. We're not alone, any one of us. This is a world that we all live in, and it's getting smaller and smaller, and we need to reach out, befriend somebody, and help somebody out, and, and let them know that their lives matter. Any lives matter. It's not just black lives or, or cuffed lives or, or any life. It's every life matters. It's, that's why it's important, you know, uh, pregnancies and, and abortion. I don't believe in abortion, but I do believe in the right of choice. But I think that they should cut that choice off at the end of three months. That's it. If you know you're pregnant and and you become aware of it, and for whatever reason, I don't want to see anybody get killed or, or terminated, but I don't know that that right should extend up until the day the child is born to kill a life like that. It's just not good. So, you know, again, that's my opinion, and I'm sorry if you don't agree with it, and that's okay. You don't have to agree. We can agree to not agree. That's way of recovery. I don't want this show to become political. It's not. It's just me. It's a show that I put on that I, I wanted to, to, to reach out and let other people know that there's help out there available. If you want help, and if you want to recover from your disease of drugs or alcohol, we don't have problem or or drug problem. We had a thinking problem. Our best thinking got us drinking. And we can make a difference in the world if we correct our thinking. And that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't. You know, I still get bad thoughts, but I don't act on them. Okay? And that's the difference today is that I'm making better choices and doing better things for myself and the people around me who love and care about me. And I have become lovable. And, um, you know, again, I'm trying my best to fit into a world that doesn't involve a lot, if a lot of alcohol. But that's, I don't know, it's not necessarily true. It's amazing 
you know, the, the push for wines, okay? Maybe not hard liquor, but wines. And I'm sure there were wines in Jesus' days. But, you know, it's just amazing. Wines and craft beer and things to take the edge off. Well, whatever you do, that's your business, really. And whatever program you work, that's your business as well. Just know that there is a program out there that know that God loves you and loves all of us. And he wants us to have the best life possible. And he wants us to join him and his father in the eternal life afterwards. So, you know, think about that. If you need someone to, to, to hug you, I'll do it. Um, you know, anything that we can do to help you, we want you to have the best life possible. I'm going to sign off now here on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to sign off on the Road to Recovery this week. 45-minute show. I hope you enjoyed listening. Know that just because it's a holiday doesn't mean we quit working our programs. We might not work them as long, but we don't quit working them at all because it's important that we do continue to work a program of recovery. And I do, one day, one step at a time. So I hope you will join us again next Sunday. When I return for a full show, working out of my office, and uh, we'll have some music to play and things to talk about, Steve and uh, Marvin and and everybody else out there, uh, may may God be with you all, all of you, anybody that's listening, okay? Have a great week, unless you have other plans, and uh, make better choices, you know? Do the next right thing. Dr. Laura Schlesinger says, now go do the right thing. Yeah, do the next right thing. That's a, it's, I hate to paraphrase her. It's not like I'm stealing it from her, but she's right. Do the next right thing. And when you do that, you have no need to be regret, no need to be caught up in remorse, because doing the right thing is just that, the right thing. So, okay, everyone, good night. Have a great week, and uh, may God be with you all.